Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton, another episode of ATDC Radio and Stone. This is a very important one. Hey, man, this is the one. This is where the rubber meets the road. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast for this episode of ATDC Radio, Investor Relations Manager here at ATDC, Mr. Brad Schweitzer. How are you, man? I'm doing all right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, Brad, this is a new role for you, right? It is indeed. And uh, so tell us what the Investor Relations Manager does at ATDC. Have you figured it out yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in process, but uh, <laughs> essentially I will work with startups that are part of the portfolio here at ATDC to help them uh, raise money. Uh, that can come from a variety of sources, you know, angel investors, uh, traditional venture capital, corporate venture capital, and then there's some al- alternative uh, financing mechanisms out there as well. I'll work with the companies to um, advise them on when to raise, how much to raise, you know, what are the mechanics of that, what's a typical deal look like. Um, I'll help them get ready to pitch. Um, and then, you know, I'll help them identify investors that would be interested in their type of organization. And then the other half, the other side of that coin is I work uh, with a lot of the VCs and, and investment community to help them identify companies that, that might be a good fit for, for their particular fund. So you're kind of matchmaker. I'm a matchmaker, order. exactly. Now, um, your background is pretty diverse, right? You have uh, education-wise, you came from legal. There's some accounting business, mm-hmm. uh, kind of pretty uh, eclectic background when it comes to business, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, So I have a, a JD MBA uh, from Emory University. I practiced venture capital law for uh, – for a while, and then um, ended up leaving the firm to, to do my own startup, um, and we ended up selling the assets off um, last summer, and I spent some time working with the acquiring entity, and now I took this role at ATDC to, to take a step back and, and reacquaint myself with the startup community and, and help the companies here at ATDC. Now, uh, are you seeing a trend in that maybe people are are going to VC funding a little later? Maybe they're trying to bootstrap a little longer? kind of build up more traction before they go and then they're have maybe a better position for themselves? The, yes, absolutely. I, that is certainly um, something that the companies are, are striving to do. They realize that if they take capital too early, um, you know, they might only not give up a larger percentage of their company, um, but it just might not make sense as well. You know, they, it, it, sometimes it makes more sense to have some of that customer base and actual demonstration of traction. Um, additionally, I've noticed kind of a trend that Investors are looking to write larger checks. Your traditional seed round has actually increased in in size over the past couple years. Um, So it's not particularly out on the West Coast. You know, a seed round can be anywhere from one to to four million dollars. And we're starting to see a little bit of that take place here in the Southeast. Now, what's the climate for uh, venture capital here? Are you seeing more? firms popping up? Are you seeing more venture capital, uh, maybe angels kind of graduating to uh, venture capital? Like, uh, how are you seeing the community? Sure. Um, so the community is, is fantastic. I'm, I, there are definitely, you know, a distinct group of angel investors. There's groups that will invest in pre-revenue companies. Um, there's groups that, you know, are, are will take a chance with a company that's got maybe one or two customers. 
Um, and then we've got some, some guys that will write, you know, multi-million dollar checks around here. Um, with respect to your question about angels kind of graduating to the VC um, community, sometimes they will go on and, and join a fund or, or create their own. But a lot of times they will, fi- they will form kind of syndicates, you know, angel syndicate networks uh, or, or angel investor groups where they will um, all gather together, have some good discussion, you know, share deals around town. They typically get, you know, they're interested in seeing the very, very new companies that maybe just started, mm-hmm. just joined ATG. So then you're finding that the people tend to, like, stay in a lane, like angels are kind of angels, VCs are more VCs, and then the private equity firms are private equity y- firms. Yes. I, I mean, I do see that, but at the same time, there definitely is kind of some uh, – some commingling, if you will. Um, the investors are are looking to um, how can I put this? They're they're looking to invest larger checks. Um, a, a lot of times now, um, they're looking for a lot more traction, and so you will kind of see some overlap where a VC may make an early bet in what would typically be an angel type of investment. Um, and you're looking, when you, when these angels come together and form larger groups, they're starting to write larger checks that kind right. of start to get into the, into the you know, early stage VC market. Um, so you do kind of see some overlap there, but there definitely is kind of a, a stratified um, organization to it. Now, from the startup standpoint, what's the type of counsel you give them? Everybody has, I guess it's customized to the individual, but what's, like, if somebody is going after Angel, like, what are some of the kind of do's and don'ts? Sure, sure. So, absolutely, there's, you know, it's unique to everyone's situation. I guess just for purposes of giving a a general overview, you know, let's just assume it's a a typical SaaS-based company. Um, No hardware or or services components or anything like that. one of the things that I would say do is make sure you've got your story straight. Um, make sure that you understand the financial implications of what raising money is going to do, um, how that's going to impact your cap table, uh, which is really important, especially as you as you get further along in your company and, and raise larger and larger rounds. Um, some of the other things would be making sure that you've got what you're going to use that money for. You really need to think through okay, I'm going to spend X percent on hiring developers, I'm going to spend X percent on, on advertising, whatever it may be. Um, let's see, some other do's and don'ts would be, <laughs> I, I wouldn't just start randomly calling uh, angel investors, you know, just to pitch them out your idea. Certainly, now, that's not to say that um, reaching out kind of in a cold email doesn't work because absolutely sometimes it certainly does but if you're going to do something like that you need to have a a prepared you know one page executive summary or or some type of um teaser slide deck that really conveys the the problem um the solution the product market fit um and if there's a market there and that's where an atdc comes in right where you there's a lot of education for companies at all levels to kind of walk them through some of these with landmines that they don't make, <laughs> maybe they don't understand the etiquette or the the way to do even do some of these basic things. Right, right, absolutely. That's where ATDC comes in. Um, you know, I can advise them on on that fundraising part, but the the rest of the organization is very good at helping the companies identify product market fit um, or identify their their go to market strategy, which are things that I also help with as well um, when I'm when I'm with these companies and. Um, advising them on, on how to raise money, but a lot of the other ATDC staff members, coaches, and EIRs here are really, really valuable when it comes to identifying how how am I going to sell this bad boy. Mm-hmm. 
So now, are there any kind of mistakes you see startups make when they go about this process of raising money that's like, oh, here we go again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of them is trying to do, trying to solve too many problems at once, right? You think you've developed this new technology that um, can serve so many different markets and it can be used by so many different peoples and, and people and organizations, um, which is great, but in terms of, of raising money, you really want to go in with a clear strategy on what market you're going to try and provide a solution for first. Because an investor would rather see somebody that's got a really focused strategy on how they're going to sell to a customer in a particular industry versus, oh, this could be applied to so many different industries. And every, you know, everyone's going to give me money. Right. So that if you, instead of saying, oh, we can sell to banking, finance, or real estate, I'd, w this is a banking solution. Yes, and we I, have three banking clients. Yes, that's a better story. That's a better story. And then you know you certainly could say, and the, look, this can be applied like on a roadmap. Exactly, right. a product roadmap would kind of demonstrate where those other markets can right. come into play. But it's better to kind of focus like a laser beam in one area and kind of have proof that that area right. is mineable. That's that's the feedback that I've been receiving from a lot of the investors that I talk mm -hmm. to. You know, after after they'll meet with a company. Now, that's not to say that uh, a company isn't going to encounter a pivot, maybe you laser focus in on a market and you and you pursue it for a few weeks or a few months, and all of a sudden, after you know knocking on a few doors, you realize that oh man, nobody's really buying it for this particular solution, and then maybe mm -hmm. you you pivot and and try again. So how do you help them get the pricing right? Because that's tricky too. <laughs> uh, pricing is right, and uh, that's for some of our other mm -hmm. uh, lovely uh, lovely experts <laughs> here at the ATDC. But um, you know, there's there's entire methodologies to, to pricing and, it, and it's and it's different you know generally i would say take a look at your competitors and and think about how you want to position yourself as a company do you want to be seen as as the high cost premier solution or are you trying to win on a low cost high volume type business mm -hmm. um but again it's one of those things pick a lane <laughs> own lane right right get traction in that space that's a better story for an investor. A absolutely, if you can if you can show that. All right, I'm gonna you know sell at this particular price, and you demonstrate why. You've got rationale to back it up. That's really the most important thing in, in fundraising. Is a lot of this is all based on assumptions, right? Um, so to the extent that you can at least verify that you have put some thought into this, and and that it, it, there's a there's a rationale behind your decision making, that's really what what they're looking for. So now if there's a company here at ATDC and that comes in and meets with you, you want them to meet sooner than late before they've gone out and knocked on a bunch of doors, right? You want right. to get the story right, get the yeah. pitch right so that you can help facilitate. You know what? Maybe this firm's a better fit for this type of product. This one, maybe you mm -hmm. should hold off on that until we get a little better in the pitch. Right, right. Yeah. A absolutely. So making sure that they're ready to pitch is, is key. And a actually answering questions is one of the uh, the harder things that I've noticed. So you have to teach them to answer questions without right. getting defensive or exactly. making the investors seem stupid. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so uh, yeah, a lot of the times when I'm, when I'm speaking with these companies is I'll, I'll basically say, hey, I'm going to grill you now. Uh, it's not... You know, it's nothing personal. I just want to get you prepared for what an investor is going to do, right? right? And so I'll ask really tough questions, and I found that that's been valuable. For so me. what's a tough question? <laughs> um, good question. Let's see. I mean, one of them would be really probing into the go-to-market strategy. So 
if you let's say somebody wants to go after banking, right to, right? to pull from our prior example, I would ask, okay, have you talked to anybody? What do they say? Who do you sell to? Who do you sell to within that organization? Um, what are what are the dyna- the interpersonal dynamics of that of that organization? Right, if you're selling to the chief product officer, do they have to get it approved by the by the CEO? Right. And, it, how complex is this? Exactly. Sale? What's the sales cycle? Right. Now, and what if I gave you this kind of money? What are you going to do with it tomorrow? Oh yeah, that that's yeah, that's a that's a tough one as well. Um, a lot of times, you know, you can initially you can generally say, okay, I'm going to put a quarter here to this to development. I'm going to put a a third to hiring, whatever it may. You're be. not going to buy my Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say that, right? Yeah, yeah. probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's some investors on the West Coast that would like that. But uh, but that, that's some of the coaching that you're giving them, right? You're you're kind of putting them to the test, teaching them how to answer these questions in a manner that is going to give them the outcome they desire, which is getting the funding. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, honestly one of the most important things because ev- anyone can kind of you know hone their own pitch, right? But are you able to answer questions on the fly? Not only does it demonstrate your knowledge and understanding of your business, but it also demonstrates are you able. Are you the type of person that can quickly think, you know, on the fly and, and make decisions quickly, especially in, in a startup where you've got to be agile and, you know, you don't have the luxury to take two years to, to get it approved by three different right. committees. Now, what about from the other side um, for the startup, finding the right fit from an investor standpoint? Like, do these investors have, are they watching my back a little? Or are they going to have connections that are going to help move the ball? Or is this just money that's going to come and I'm going to be able to use it as I need? I mean, that's a balance too, right? I might want to take less money from somebody who has a lot of connections rather than more money from somebody who doesn't, and i got to figure stuff out. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I would say that it's very important to be strategic in the selection of the investor that you go with. Obviously, sometimes you may only have, you know, one or two options, right? And you got to take what you can get. But to the extent that there are multiple options on the table – you would want to think through those type of questions, right? I mean, would you rather if just logically, if you had um, if you had a business and one investor, you know, had a ton of experience in that space and the other investor didn't, and they were both going to give you the same amount of money, all things being equal, you would go with the one that um, had the connection. Exactly, right? exactly. Um, now, that's not to say that sometimes you just need capital. You know, right. you know, particularly when you get later down the road and you know what you've do you're doing, you've demonstrated traction, and you just need gas for the the car then okay sure maybe you just go to somebody and, and get some capital and you don't really need much else from them so now do you help the startup in terms of is it better to get uh an investor or get a loan or you know reposition to your friends and family again and maybe you can go that route like you know kind of it it isn't an all or nothing it isn't just one size fits all right you got to right. really kind of yeah understand what they're what they can and can't do. Absolutely. And, and and one of the questions that I like to ask is, what does the founder want out of the business? And and that will determine... Like how do you want the story to end? Yeah, kind of yeah. Do you want this to be a business that, um, you know, you can pull in a couple hundred K each year for the next 40 years? Or is this something you want to sell for, you know, multi-million dollars in the next five? Um, that will kind of impact the capital that you'll take and the investors that will be interested in your company. Mm-hmm. So now how do you help them walk through that? Because is that things that they think about or their heads down and they're 
kind of project? That, that's a good question. Um, the more experienced entrepreneurs will, will start to think about that. Uh, but everybody's got to start somewhere. And, and at that point, um, you know, a lot of times they are focused on the actual product uh, uh, and whatnot. Um, I, do, I, I would say that to, to the, I, I always advise them to minimize the impact this will have on, on their cap table to as much extent as possible. So if that means that they can you know, go another six months, uh, adopt another three or four customers and increase their valuation and you know, give up 20% as opposed to 25 or 30, um, then that's something that I would definitely advise them to, get, to do. And with respect to, to taking on loans, um, you, taking a traditional bank loan is, is, is challenging. You know, they want to see assets and, and things like that. Um, but there are some – I've seen this more and more, actually, over the past year or two, uh, some more firms that are coming out and, and giving, you know, venture-based loans um, that are based on revenue, revenue growth, and, and things like that, which is a nice way, if you are in the position where you basically just need gas for the car, um, you can allow them to, you know, give you a loan, and you can pay it back, and you grow just as big as you would have with an actual equity round, but um, you don't suffer the dilution therefrom. So what's been your most rewarding part? Uh, I know you just started here. Have you talked to anybody yet? Or what, where are you at in your uh, ATDC kind of term? Yeah, so I'm still uh, – I am relatively fresh. Um, there's a lot of companies here in the ATDC portfolio, so um, it does take some time to, to get to know them all. Um, but I actually, I also have had a, a lot of good meetings with uh, some investors, um, particularly around Atlanta. I've got to know a lot of them pretty well, and I've – Basically, I'm on the phone every day with at least one, you know, oftentimes many more investors from out of town, telling them a little bit about ATDC, learning about them, and again, trying to play matchmaker like we talked about in the beginning. So now what's the um, kind of the reputation of Atlanta and ATDC around the country? Are people paying attention to us? Or are we, you know, kind of best kept secret? Yeah, or? yeah. Good question. Um, it's especially over the past, you know, handful of years, I've really noticed that um, investors are starting to, to take a look at it, a deeper look at Atlanta. I mean, we've got a lot of great talent coming out of the universities here. Um, the cost of living relative to Silicon Valley and the West Coast is cheaper. And the, east, and the North. And, and, and the Northeast, absolutely. Um, so so those are things that investors like to see. You know, they can put in a million bucks down here and it can go a lot it's further. more bang for their buck, right? Exactly, exactly. Um so much so that I, a lot of firms are starting to kind of develop a, uh, a group, with, you know, an informal group within themselves that specifically focuses on the southeast um, mm -hmm. with Atlanta as, as a bit of the hub there. Now, are you seeing any collaboration between other cities in the southeast? Because it seems like every city's got some startup -y thing going yeah. on nowadays. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I, there is some collaboration. Like I've had a few phone calls with some other people that have similar roles to myself, you know, at, at their respective organizations uh, across the southeast and the country, just to kind of bounce ideas off each other and uh, you know find out what works and what and what doesn't. But at the same time, there hasn't been a really coordinated push, uh, at least that I've seen, uh, across some of these other similar type organizations to DC to to work together and to and you know, share deal flow or, or whatever it may be, which is something that I, I think would be valuable for, for everybody uh, if we could get something like that. Maybe. Right. It, it shouldn't have to be kind of the zero-sum game where our win is their loss. You know, there I would think there would be an opportunity. That, I think part of our secret sauce is that we get along with mm -hmm. a lot of people and it's yep. easier to have conversations that people aren't 
super territorial and protective. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's something that I've definitely found out about Atlanta and the South in general is that people p- people are willing to to share and they're and they're willing to help out. Um, they're willing to to work together to to make things right. happen. And so why not lean into that, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and you know, I, I am starting to see that. You're starting to see more uh, out of town, you know, out of state f- venture funds come in and and do lead around or or follow in, in around with uh, a local investor, uh, which is always great. So now, uh, part of your story when you're talking to these people is having been there and done that, uh, right? Yeah. So how hungry are these uh, startups for that kind of story to hear it from the horse's mouth? Um, you know, they, they don't ask too much, uh, about, about my, my personal, um, experience. Um, you know, I l- made a lot of mistakes, so that's probably a good thing they don't ask. Well, it's too. the good, the bad, the <laughs> ugly, right? That's part of the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that is one of the things when they, when they say something that I thought, or, you know, I made the same mistake, I'll, I'll definitely let them know. And it's interesting bringing that up because part of what my job entails is almost a little bit of counseling in the sense that hey i know this is tough or you didn't you know you're going to talk to 100 investors and 98 are going to say no um or you're struggling to get traction i I understand that or maybe you've got uh issues with employees or whatever it may be um i can kind of be there to say okay well i'm obviously not in your exact position but this is i had something similar happen and and i can kind of relate to them and make them make them not feel as uh I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Well, where, where they feel like, you know, what was me or start feeling sorry right. for themselves. Like I'm the only person on the planet that's ever gone through this exactly. specific thing. You exactly. Know? It's, and I'd, I'd make mm-hmm. a, a large effort to let them know that, that they're not alone, that the startup world is filled with very high highs and, and super low lows, mm-hmm. and it can occur within a day apart. <laughs> right. And it's, it's one of those things where you may not have uh, had the same exact thing happen to you, but what happened to you might have rhymed with what happened to them, yeah. right? Might absolutely. be in the neighborhood. Right, absolutely. So now, uh, what's next for you? You're just doing a tour of all the companies here, getting to know as many as possible, kind of plugging into the investor world, uh, getting to know as many of them as possible, and just trying to find the right fits for people? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a lot of talking with people, right. you know, learning what they like, what they don't like, where they see things going. Um, I get to... The beauty of ATDC is I get to see so many cool companies. I get to stay on the right. You just have cutting to stand edge. in the lobby and just wait, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Somebody will come up and, <laughs> and ask you what's going on, and, and probably pitch you uh, one of their ideas, or right. at least let you know, um, which is fantastic. I, I love learning about all that stuff. Um, so really, what's what's next is just continuing to talk to people, go to as many things that I, as I can. Um, you know, have as uh, talk to as many people that want to reach out to me and that I reach out to as well, and just hopefully not only help the ATDC companies find funding and the investors find good companies, but demonstrate that the South and and Atlanta is a great place for people to invest and for companies to succeed. Now, are you doing any talking, speaking at different organizations? Or are you getting out there in the community and letting people know what you're up to and what ATDC is up to? Yeah, so n- no formal um, you know, speaking engagements or, or anything like that. But um, to the extent that I get invited to an event, I, I do my best to attend and, and network and, and chat with all the people there. Um, I've done a coordinated a few events with um, some of the other investor groups around town uh, and worked with them to you know help not only promote their fund but just in educate the community uh, mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty important and that's 
now that I say it, is, is really where a lot of um, my exposure comes from is from kind of education-type events, uh, which, are, which are great. There's a plethora of them uh, in Atlanta um, that I'd encourage anybody to attend. And if somebody wanted to connect with you and uh, get on your uh, calendar, what's the best way to do that? Um, the best way would probably be to either uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or to drop me an email um, at, at ATDC. Um, you can typically find that by reaching out to somebody in the organization that you have and asking to put them in touch. Right, ATDC.org. I'm sure you're somewhere on there, right? Somewhere mm-hmm. on there, yeah. Just search for Brad, <laughs> the investment guy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, this is this is great. You're doing something good for the community. I, I appreciate it. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We'll see you all next time on ATDC Radio. 